Welcome to Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society. I'm Kate Sale, Certified Professional Dog Trainer, coming to you from Forward Radio 106.5, broadcasting from the historic Hayburn Building in downtown Louisville, Kentucky. We are here to answer your questions about your pet's behavior, why they do what they do, and how you and your pet can build your best relationship through patience, training, and understanding. You can send your questions to our email, behavior at kyhumane.org, or to the Kentucky Humane Society Facebook page. Before we dig into that animal behavior today, I want to tell you that this is a very exciting time for our station. Forward Radio has been on the air for four years now, broadcasting since April of 2017. And to celebrate our four-year anniversary and our newly established 501c3 status, We are hosting our Zoom talent show, so get to our website, forwardradio.org. It is free to enter, and you could win $100. All talents in all media are welcome. The talent show is part of our pledge drive running from March 27th through April 9th. It is your support that keeps us on the air. 106.5 Forward Radio is your community radio station. So get to that website, forwardradio.org, hit that donate button to support radio by the people, for the people. Well, I might be tempting the winter weather, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think spring is here, and I know that we are all excited to get out of the house and get those pups outside. And hopefully we've been working on some basic manners and obedience when we've been in the house. And we're ready to take some of those skills out to the parks and out on our walks. I always get some questions from my students this time of year, and I've been getting some questions coming in from you all as well, about some things that we tend to see when we try and take our basic skills out of the house. So today I want to give you a few things that you can work on that'll help you enjoy those walks and get you and your dog back out there. A lot of us work really hard on those basic foundation skills. Our sits, our downs, working on coming when called, building that attention and focus. And then you might notice you go to take a walk, you go to the park, and everything you've worked on completely goes out the window. It's like your dog left their brain at home and they've completely forgotten everything that you've worked on. It's like you've never taught any of these skills. The good news is, that there's nothing wrong with your dog. They are still totally intelligent. They are normal. What you're seeing is the result of generalization or more appropriately, lack thereof. And generalization is your dog's ability to translate skills to different environments and different circumstances. And basically, it's something that dogs are not very good at. They do not naturally translate those skills. So when we work on something in a particular environment or a particular circumstance, they get really good at that one thing in that one particular environment or circumstance. And if we try and take that skill to a different place where we've never practiced that skill, or we completely change up what's going on around them, our dog doesn't have a very good chance of being able to do well or perform that skill successfully because they were never prepared for it. It's like taking an exam that you've never studied for. You may have practiced your addition and your basic multiplication tables, but you haven't started your trigonometry or your calculus yet. 
So just because our dog is able to sit for treats and lay down when we ask in our kitchen or our living room, that doesn't mean that they're ready to sit politely when another dog walks by in a park full of runners, other dogs, bicycles, and a universe of distractions all around them. And so, only after we have taught that skill in many different circumstances, in many different places, has that skill become generalized or fluent, meaning reliable in lots of different places and lots of different circumstances. And so I wanna talk a little bit about the process of generalizing a skill so that you know how to take something that you've worked on and practiced and make sure that your hard work is going to serve you and your dog as well as it possibly can. So when we first start practicing a new skill, we want to work on it in a situation that is going to be easy. A place in a situation where it's going to be very simple, low distraction, and easy for our dog to focus. Learning a new thing for anybody takes a lot of attention, takes a lot of focus, and we want to set our dog up to be successful. And there are a lot of things that we can do in an environment to make things easy and accessible for our dog. Working in our home is a relatively low distraction environment for our dogs because it's a place that they are in often, it's really predictable, there aren't, generally speaking, a bunch of things going on that are going to be a big surprise for our dog, especially if we pick a place or a situation that is going to be relatively low key. So working away from a window, away from a glass front door, so somewhere that is relatively sheltered from all of the wonderful and exciting things that might be going on outside is a great place to start. And then you wanna pick something that's going to be relatively easy and ideally useful for you based on what your specific goals are. So if you wanna get ready to go for a great walk in your neighborhood or to get ready to go to the park, you wanna think about the skills that you're going to need to do that really, really well. A lot of us tend to focus on sit as one of the first skills that we wanna teach, and there's nothing wrong with teaching sit. It's a great early skill, it's very simple to teach, and it's a great way for you and your dog to learn about general training together. But I'll be really honest, if we're getting ready to go to the park, sit is not something I'll necessarily use very often in that scenario. The very first thing that I like to teach my dogs is eye contact, so attention and focus. I'm going to dig into working on leash manners and those walking skills in a later episode, because that is a pretty big topic and I wanna make sure that I'm able to really spend adequate time on that one. But at the end of the day, everything that we do with our dog is going to be built on that attention and focus, our leash manners included. So if you are looking to get started on those leash manners, this is gonna be your step one. If we don't have our dog's attention, we can't ask them for anything. So that's why that eye contact, that attention and focus is the very first thing I work on with my dog. And it's a great foundation skill to start to build in a relatively low distraction environment. If you can't get your dog's attention in your house, in your kitchen with nothing else going on, chances are 
you're not going to be able to get their attention when you're outside in the world with other humans and cars and bicycles and squirrels and everything else going on. So I start by building that attention and focus in a low distraction environment. So I set myself up with some treats that my dog really likes. You can have your dog on a leash or gated in that space with you so that they stay nearby. And I stand in that low distraction environment and I wait for my dog to look at me. And as soon as they look at me, even if it's a really brief look, I'm gonna say yes, or if you use a clicker, I'm gonna click, and then I'm gonna hand them that reward. And then I'm gonna stand and wait for them to do it again. And when my dog looks at me again, I'm gonna say yes and hand them that reward. Pretty quickly, your dog's going to figure out, ooh, I look at my person, I get a reward. That's pretty cool. And what we're doing is we're just building a reinforcement history where our dog's getting rewarded for looking at us. We're just teaching them looking at me is a good thing and makes good things happen. And if you listened to the show last week, you know that anything that gets our attention is something that our dog is likely to repeat, especially if that attention is something fabulous like tasty treats. I like to teach this first as well because when we're out walking, if my dog knows to look at me, they can't look at me and look at the other dog or the bicycle or the squirrel or whatever it happens to be at the same time. So it's going to help them focus on me and enjoying our walk together and building that relationship rather than being distracted by the entire universe. And that's really hard for our dogs. And building that skill is going to start by building it in a low distraction environment. And while I'd like to start with eye contact, just the process of training skills in general is going to help you. So if you want to work on that sit, if you want to work on a touch or a hand target cue, you want to work on down, that's great. Pick a handful of things that you want to practice and work on those things in your house in that low distraction environment to start. So once you have those skills built in a low distraction environment, then you're ready to move them to a slightly more challenging environment. That could mean moving it to your living room or maybe moving it to the front room of your house where there's a great big window and they can see some stuff going on outside. Or maybe that's a little too much for your dog. Maybe close to the window, but they can't see super well. But we want to increase the difficulty for our dog in degrees. This is where we start to talk about our three Ds. Distraction, distance, and duration. These are the three things that we can use to take any skill that we're working on with our dog and make it either easier or more difficult. The more that's going on around our dog, the more distractions that are present, the harder it's going to be for our dog to focus and do the things that we ask. Distance is the second one. The closer a distraction is to our dog, the harder it will be for them to ignore that distraction and focus on us and follow those instructions instead. So if our dog has trouble ignoring other dogs, the closer that other dog is to us, the harder it's going to be for our dog to ignore that dog. So when you're practicing ignoring other dogs, adding distance can make that much, much easier for your dog. 
any other side of distance, the farther away we are from our dogs, the harder it is for them to follow our instructions. Coming when called is a great example. If our dog is relatively close to us when we call them, it's going to be a lot easier for them to walk that few steps to us than it would be if they were, say, all the way across in the very back of the yard. So essentially, the closer something is, the easier it is to focus on, or the harder it is to ignore. And then the last one is going to be duration. How long you ask your dog to do something for. And the simplest example of that one is going to be a wait or a stay. The longer you ask your dog to hold still, the harder that is going to be. And once we understand those individual pieces, those three Ds, distraction, distance, duration, it's important that we keep those three things in mind, both as individual elements, but also how they impact one another as circumstances, scenarios, and environments change. They absolutely impact one another and how we adjust our skills to make things easier or more difficult as we go through our training process. So using stay as an example, when we're working in a low distraction environment, our dog might be able to stay inside with nothing going on for 30 seconds. But that does not mean that when you move outside and a squirrel runs by, that's a big old distraction, that our dog is going to be able to hold that stay for 30 seconds in the presence of such a high value distraction. So that means that we need to start working on that stay from the very beginning in the presence of distractions. So by adding more distraction, we might only ask our dog to stay for five seconds instead of 30 seconds like they can in our kitchen. So when we increase the difficulty of a D, then we need to take another one of those Ds and make it easier. So we always want to look at all three of these Ds in all of our training scenarios to make sure that we're adjusting things on an ongoing basis and challenging our dog enough to learn and grow while also setting them up to be successful. But for the sake of what we're talking about today and getting these skills ready to move outside of your home and out for a walk, out to the park, we're really going to be focusing on distraction, that first D. And we'll talk about that as soon as we come back. You are listening to Forward Radio 1065. This is Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society Behavior Department. We'll be back after a short break with music written and recorded by John 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 Slater.
Welcome back to Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society. I'm your host, Kate Sayall, answering your questions about your pet's behavior and why they do what they do. Don't forget to send those questions to our email, behavior at kyhumane.org, or to the Kentucky Humane Society Facebook page. We are coming to you from Forward Radio 106.5 FM. Visit us on forwardradio.org to catch this episode from the very beginning, any of our other episodes, or to check out all of the other programming on Forward Radio. And remember that we are listener-supported, so be sure to hit that donate button. On our show today, we are answering the question, why does my dog do things beautifully at home and then act like they have no idea what we practiced or how to do anything once we leave the house? So really the question is, how can I generalize their skills to new environments and new situations? How can I teach my dog how to work in the presence of distractions? So if our dog can master those skills in the house, then we can start to think about moving them outside. But we don't want to immediately go from our nice quiet kitchen or our nice quiet living room immediately to the front yard where all this crazy stuff is going on and there are lots and lots of distractions. We can't necessarily expect our dog to be able to follow those instructions as well as they did in the kitchen when there are so many distractions going on in the world. So when we work on translating skills to a new place, we kind of want to expect to basically start that skill from the beginning and pretend that our dog has never done that skill before. This is partially for our own sanity. We will have a much easier time if things go better than we expect them to. But this is also to make sure that we are setting ourselves up with realistic expectations and that we can set our dog up to be successful. And also to remind ourselves that it is just as, if not more important, to remember that when we leave the house to work on a skill, even if we're just going to our own backyard, to take those treats with you. And I would say, make sure that they are real tasty, maybe even better than the treats that you use inside. So when you get ready to work outside, be aware that you are adjusting a really important D, that distraction. And when we adjust a D, we want to make sure that we're going to take a skill and make it easier for our dog because we've made a D more difficult. So we can take those other two Ds and make them a little easier. If we're working with more distractions, maybe we're asking our dog to only come when called from five feet away instead of 15 or 20 feet away. Maybe we only ask our dog to stay for 10 seconds instead of the 30 seconds or even 60 seconds that we ask them to stay for inside. When we increase the distractions, we need to adjust the distance and duration to make a skill easier and compensate for the fact that more distractions makes a skill much, much harder. And if you've made things easier and it still doesn't work, make it easier again. Maybe a 10 second stay in a new situation, even if they can do it inside, is too long. Success can look different from dog to dog. It can also look different day to day situation to situation. So if you're continuing to try something and it isn't effective, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with your dog. 
It just means that you're asking them for more than they are able to give you for that particular environment or circumstance. And sometimes we'll just have to take a small, simple win and be done with that exercise for the day. And that is okay. You can always come back and try again tomorrow. So as you're working on mastering these basic training skills, and you're going through the process of moving from a low distraction indoor environment to an outdoor environment, I do generally recommend starting in your backyard. It is outside, there are gonna be birds, there are going to be squirrels, but it's not as distracting as say your front yard or your front sidewalk. And once your dog does well in the backyard, practice in the side yard, practice in your driveway, and make sure that you're not always practicing in the same place in your backyard. All of these things matter. So every time you practice those skills, shuffle around where you're practicing. This is how we really start working through that process of generalizing those skills so that our dog learns that it doesn't matter where we say sit, it doesn't matter where we ask our dog for eye contact, it doesn't matter what's going on around them, what you're wearing, what direction you are facing. It's going to mean the same thing every time, no matter where we are, no matter what is going on. And that can be a little difficult for us to learn and remember because human brains don't work that way. However, when we can understand and remember that dogs don't generalize the same way that we do, it can help us ensure that when we work with and train our dogs, we're setting them up to learn in a way that's going to work best for them. It's also important to remember to utilize those skills outside of those formal training sessions. So when you just take your dog for a walk out in the neighborhood, don't forget to take those treats with you. Don't forget to watch for your dog to offer that eye contact. Say yes, hand that reward to your dog. If your dog's doing great with sit in your backyard, in your front yard, whatever it happens to be, ask for that sit occasionally before you cross the street. Start to put those skills to work and use them outside of your house, outside of that formal training session. Your dog will be good at using a skill wherever they practice it. Now, it is also important to note that we want to make sure that we are setting our dog up to be successful. I know I've said that quite a few times, but that's very, very important. Nobody wants to play a game that they can't win. That is also gonna be true for our dogs. So if we ask for a behavior, if we ask for a skill and it doesn't work, chances are we're asking our dog for something they're not ready to do. Either there are too many distractions present we haven't generalized the skill to where we are. They might be too stressed by what's going on. If something isn't working, take a step back, look at your D's, distraction, distance, duration, and ask yourself, what can I adjust to make this easier for my dog? I promise your dog is not ignoring you just to make you mad. Your dog just isn't ready to do what you're asking them to do for whatever reason. So sometimes it's a situation where we need to go back to the drawing board, find a way to make a skill easier, practice it in an easier situation, a lower distraction, lower stress circumstance, 
so that they are going to be ready to do that skill the next time we ask them to do it in a higher distraction situation. It's also not always about where we are, but also what's going on around us. So if we go to a park one day and it's really quiet, there's not a whole lot going on, that is going to be much, much easier for our dog than going to a park on that first gorgeous day where it's 75 degrees on a Saturday and it is crazy, crazy busy. That is going to be a very challenging situation for our dog. So if you try and do that, it doesn't go super well. Your dog is struggling to follow simple instructions. Maybe it was just a little too much too soon. Find a easier, quieter, lower distraction environment or see if you can pick a time when the park is going to be a little less busy. Now, just like us, the more our dog practices a skill, the better that they get at it. And that's going to be the case for something like sitting politely or maintaining a loose leash while another dog walks by, the things that we want our dogs to continue to do, but that's also going to be the case for things that we don't want them to do, like trying to chase a squirrel every time one runs across their path. So our dogs get good at whatever it is that they practice, good or bad. So with that in mind, it's important to think about, as we've said many times already, setting our dogs up to be successful. If we consistently put our dogs in a situation where they are not going to be successful, where we are asking too much of them and they are likely to fail, They are specifically getting better at doing the things that we do not want them to do. Coming when called is an excellent example and something that a lot of us get stuck on. This one can be tricky because it is something that we need and use all the time. And it also seems to be a cue that we just kind of assume that our dogs know rather than really taking the time to teach to our dogs. It's also one of the most challenging skills for our dogs to learn that takes the most practice. Let's break down what it is that we're actually asking of our dogs. When we call our dogs to us, we're asking them to completely remove their attention from whatever they're doing, no questions asked, come directly to us, do not pass go, do not collect $200, and ignore everything on the way. That is an incredibly tall order. We are asking so, so much of our dogs. But because it's something that we use so frequently and really need on such a regular basis, it's very easy to just say, Fluffy, come, and just call your dog to you expecting a response. But most of us know that just calling your dog to you doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the answer that you want. We've all been in that position where we've been standing on our back steps, we call our dog, they have their paws on a tree, they're barking at a squirrel, they are very distracted or engaged in some other activity, and yes, they hear you, they might even turn and look at you as you call their name, and they essentially go, nah, I'm busy, I have something else that I'm working on right now. And so your dog has just practiced ignoring coming when called. It's important to take the time to practice that skill in a situation where your dog can practice getting it right. Start with few distractions from a close distance. 
and make sure to reward a successful recall with a tasty treat every time. And in parting today, I'm going to leave you with the 90% rule. If you aren't at least 90% sure that your dog is going to do what you ask, do not ask. Instead, use what you know your dog is going to be able to do successfully, work on your training so that you have that new skill ready for the next time, and then move forward from there. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society. If you have questions about your pets or there's a specific topic that you want to know more about, send an email to behavior at kyhumane.org or you can send a message to the Kentucky Humane Society Facebook page. You are tuned in to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, broadcasting from the historic Hayburn Building in Louisville, Kentucky. Forward Radio is celebrating four years on the air with our pledge drive, March 27th through April 9th. So don't forget to visit our website, forwardradio.org. Make sure to hit that donate button to support your local grassroots radio station. Thanks for your support, Louisville. And thank you for tuning in to Sit, Stay, Listen.